following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. It's wonderful to see you this morning. Glad to be here. I hope you are. Wherever you are, I'm glad you're there. Whatever, better than being somewhere else, I guess. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Aaron for bringing the message uh, last week. It seemed appropriate to me uh, after um, finishing our study in the Gospel of Mark to take a breath, go skiing. It was wonderful. Um, so I do so appreciate it when the Lord speaks through his people. It's just another example that uh, it's not just me. Right. It's not just you've got to stand behind this thing uh, in order to speak, um, but we all have our work to do. And I'm grateful um, to see everyone working. So um, we began our uh, we began studying the gospel of Mark uh, quite a while ago with our eyes on Peter, uh, the apostle Peter. The scholars believe uh, that. Mark's gospel was Peter's retelling. It was Peter's account uh, of the earthly life and ministry of Jesus. Uh, And now we're going to begin a study on works that we know for sure. Uh, There's no speculation were written by Peter because his name is at the top of the page. So (laughs) we're going to look at 1 Peter. Um, We're going to begin a study in 1 Peter, start today. But before we go any further, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your great love for us. We are thankful you have called us to be a family under the blood of Jesus Christ, your son. We are thankful for the salvation that you offer to us through faith in him. We are thankful that you adopted us as your children. We are thankful that you gave your Holy Spirit to all who believe. And that your spirit is spoken through the Apostle Peter. And you have preserved this record for us to read, to, um, to study, uh, to talk about, to be affected by and changed forever. We pray that your Holy Spirit would do that work. Start in me, Lord. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Peter's first epistle starts on page 1014 in the Pew Bibles. For you at home, I have no idea what page it's on. Uh, as the first letter of Peter, that's a, a just, when you say epistle, that just means letter, but makes you sound smarter. So that's why I say it. That was not, not funny. Thank you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> So, as it is appropriate at the beginning of any study of a particular book of the Bible, we need to consider some things. We need to consider who the author was and who the audience was and what the original author's intent was in writing that letter um, so that we could understand what possible meaning it might carry for us. It's not a different meaning now. It can't mean something now that it never meant before. Um, it, it can't mean to us what it didn't mean to the original 
recipients of the letter. The application obviously will be different. Um, if there's a reminder to plug your phone in at the end of the night so it can charge, we see this uh, applicable to us and maybe not so much in the first century. Um, I don't I don't recall any reminders to do that in this letter, but we'll see what the Spirit has to say, I guess. That's Third Peter. Yeah, Third Peter chapter. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so fortunately, we don't have to do a great deal of digging to get to who the author was. It's the first word in the letter, Peter. Um, First century letter writing, you write your name first, not last, so people would know who's writing the letter. Doesn't this make sense to you? Um, Dear so-and-so, blah, 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 sincerely me. Why not say, hey, it's me, blah, 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 see ya, you know, whatever. So this uh, this way we get to see who's writing right off the bat. Um, uh, The... The audience is also mentioned there in the first few verses. Um, But the author's intent in writing this is hiding all the way in the last chapter. Um, But I don't want to go in that order of author um, intent and audience. I want to start with the audience. Who is the audience? Well, Peter says... The um, the elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Well, that's clear enough, right? Maybe, maybe not. Um, you might get cities okay, but what does the elect exiles of the dispersion mean? Um, that's what you refer to yourself as all the time, right? What church do you go to? Well, it's Crossroads. We are the elect exiles of the dispersion. Yeah, all the way in West Osby, right? Maybe not. Well, the cities that Peter mentions here are all close together in the northern part of modern-day Turkey. Um, that's, the, the, that's the easy part. He's writing to the Turks and not Turkeys. Uh, don't. Make that mistake. You can think of yourself as a Turkey if you want. But these people are Turkish Christians uh, in those regions. Um, But he refers to them as the elect exiles of the dispersion. Getting the cities is easy. But what does it mean to be an elect exile of the dispersion? Well, what does he mean by elect? What does it mean to be elect? Um, He explains that in verse 2 with the definition of election. He's really making this very easy for us. I can't believe you didn't figure this out on your own. Um, According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, for the sprinkling of his blood. This is what it means to be a person who is elect. According to the foreknowledge of God, chosen by God beforehand, Known by God beforehand to be saved. That's what it means to be elect. So if you have faith in Jesus Christ, your sins are washed away. You are one of the elect because that is God's work, not yours. When we think about people coming to faith, oftentimes we think about all the things that we have to do in order to be saved, right? 
I have to say the prayer, but I have to come down front and kneel, and I have to fill out the card after so they can... No, not at all. God has done all of the work. All we do is open our hands to receive it, right? Jesus died on the cross. The work for your salvation is complete in his death and resurrection. We simply receive the gift uh, willingly that we're offered. But you can't do that if you're not the elect. And there's a great deal of theological discussion to have about that. But the Bible says those who are saved are the elect. You want to fight about that? You don't have to fight with me. The Bible says it right there. Okay? So, good luck with that. So These are believers in Jesus Christ that Peter is writing to. So, that's important as we consider this letter. He's not writing this as an evangelistic outreach, right, to tell people about how to be saved or whatever. He's writing to believers um, in those area, believers in Jesus Christ who are saved and sanctified by the foreknowledge of God, just as every believer is, just as we are. So what does he mean by exiles of the dispersion? Um, this is a, a, a reference that would ring a bell in the mind of a Jewish Christian. Um, of course, we remember from our uh, reading in the Old Testament, exiles of Babylon, exiles in Egypt. Um, so this, this is uh, ringing the bell of Jewish history to be called an exile. Um, those who have been dispersed, right, scattered from their homeland. That's the dispersion. Um, scattered from their homeland and now living as exiles, as foreigners in a strange land in northern Turkey. And Peter is often referred to as the apostles, the apostle to the Jews, uh, just as Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. Doesn't mean that's the only people they ever interacted with, but that was the, that was the Peter's focus was Jewish believers or uh, preaching the gospel to Jewish people. Um, and that does not mean, as we read this, if he says uh, this is addressed to Jewish believers, that doesn't mean we can skip it if we're if we're not Jewish. I personally am not. Uh, my family comes from Wales, uh, not uh, Israel. So that doesn't get us off the hook. He's is still including Gentile believers in this instruction and encouragement included in this letter. Um, and by this, by the time this letter was written, Jews and Gentiles fellowshiped together in one holy church anyway. It was new to them. We don't think so much about it because our region of the world is it's pretty homogenous, let's be honest. Um, but in the first century, um, remember before Christ, Jews and Gentiles didn't have anything to do with each other. A Jewish believer couldn't invite a Gentile believer over for supper. Uh, Jews and Gentiles weren't allowed to use the same dishes. The Jews would have to go be ceremonially cleansed uh, if if they had any contact with a Jewish uh, with a Gentile person at all. So this a long time ago. We don't think about this so much anymore. Although dividing people by what they look like and where they're from does seem to be fairly common. So what is um, Peter's intent? 
in writing this letter to the church in Turkey. Well, unlike uh, books like the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, um, where the author's purpose is right there in the first first few verses, he says, I'm writing to you, Theophilus, so that you may know um, what Jesus continued to, to do in the church. In First Peter, we have to read the whole thing to get there, get to all the way at the end. It's like I'm going to write you this letter and tell you, just in case you missed it, why I wrote this to you. <laughs> Right, a good good preacher. Uh, you say you tell him what you're gonna tell him. You tell him and tell him what you told him. Uh, three points and a poem, right? And closing prayer. That's that's a good preacher. You have me, and we usually only get one of those things. So just close in prayer and get over with. <clears throat> anyway, so uh, as we read through here, um, I think before we get to chapter five and verse twelve, where um, Peter explains why he wrote the letter. It will be fairly obvious what his intent was, um, but either way, I'll I'll read it anyway. First uh, Peter five twelve says, "I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true tr- true grace of God. Stand firm in it." That was his intent to encourage the church, right? To stand firm in the grace of God. Now, as we'll see as we go through the letter, it's specifically to stand firm in the grace of God in the face of trial, in the face of persecution. You will also hear a message of hope woven throughout the letter. Peter is also uh, referred to as the apostle of hope, uh, where uh, Paul would be the apostle of faith and John would be the apostle of love. Peter is the apostle of hope. Um, so there's there's the audience, the author's intent, but what about the author himself? Now I I have to say we were talking about this the other night. I am uh, I really enjoyed our study in the Gospel of Mark, but there's something very troubling about it for me personally. Um, we spend a lot of time with the disciples, and they're um, how to be polite. They're stupid. They're what a bunch of idiots. They just could not get anything right. This It was terrible to watch this over and over again, making the same dumb mistakes. That's, to me, discouraging. Um, so when we look at this letter, it is a breath of fresh air because it's this same dope Peter Right from the Gospels we read about, but there's something different about him, and that is the Holy Spirit. He did not have the Holy Spirit indwelling within him when he was uh, active in the earthly life and ministry of Jesus. He's working on his own flesh, and we saw great success with that, right? And that was awful. So when you think about Apostle Peter... What comes to your mind? What do you think of? Um, Now, we just finished the Gospel of Mark um, and learned a lot about Peter in the Gospel. And they were all success stories. Great things on your resume uh, for Peter, right? 
Well, I don't think so. We learn mostly about his failures. He was willing to jump out of the boat and walk on the water to Jesus, right? That was cool. But then starts relying on his own strength to do this cool thing and sank, right? Uh, he trusted, started relying on himself to stay afloat and promptly sank. We saw him try to set up for Jesus and uh, set up tents for Jesus and Moses and Elijah to inaugurate a new kingdom on earth, a new heavenly kingdom on earth. And that, that didn't work out. They didn't get the tent set up before Moses and Elijah was gone. He's brave enough to pull his sword out and cut off Malchus's ear. And if he's aiming for his ear, boy's got good aim. But I'm guessing probably not. He's brave enough to attack Malchus to defend Jesus, but he lied to slave girls in order to protect himself when Jesus was on trial. Peter has quite a story. But I think the Gospels kind of give us the worst of it, honestly. Only part of his story. Inspired by the Holy Spirit and dictated to Silvanus, also known as Silas. You may remember him from the book of Acts and the letters of Paul. The Apostle Peter wrote this epistle in the mid-60s A.D. from Babylon. Now, this isn't a mystical, mysterious uh, Babylon, uh, some symbolic use of Babylon uh, like we see other places in the New Testament. This is the real Babylon. Um, Babylon on the Euphrates River. Does anybody know what city is built on the ruins of this Babylon now? Sorry? Well, I would say Baghdad. Uh, right next door, right in that same area, right? Um most of us know Baghdad, and nobody knows what that other one was. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is in Iraq, right? Um, so Peter's writing, writing this letter. Now, I just wanted to point out, mid-60s A.D., like 64, 5, 6, something like that. We know he died in 67. This is 30 years after the Gospel of Mark is concluded. Okay, just 30 years or so. That's a long time to walk with the Lord. And some of you could tell us all about it. Um, but this, uh, this man has changed a lot. The Lord has grown him and changed him a lot. Um, Simon Peter, also known as Cephas, which means the man of rock. He wasn't the man of steel, but the man of rock. Right? He's the brother of Andrew, who was a disciple of John the Baptist, who's born in Bethsaida, but lived and worked in Capernaum as a fisherman. We know he was married because uh, Jesus used to hang out in the house of his mother-in-law, or his house that his mother-in-law was there. Um, remember, she, uh, Jesus healed her of a fever. He's always named first. In the four times that scripture gives us a list of the disciples. Um, but that doesn't make him superior to the other disciples. It doesn't give him a higher rank. Um, he was listed first because he had the dignity of being their spokesman. Now, our Catholic friends would say that uh, every pope uh, 
is is uh, come from a Peter, Peter the first pope. That's not that's not based on the Bible. Um, that's n- not true at all. Peter was not superior. We've seen his example is far. It's pretty clear. Not superior to the other apostles. Maybe louder, um, but not superior. Peter did walk on water. He did witness the transfiguration of Jesus. He did have his feet washed by Christ himself. He did defend Jesus at his arrest. He did deny the Lord at his trial. But he did repent and he was restored. He saw the empty tomb and he saw the risen Lord. He was charged by Jesus himself to feed his sheep, to feed his lambs. He pastored the church in Jerusalem for a short time. Tongues of fire fell on him as well as the other disciples on the day of Pentecost. And he preached the gospel on that day. And over 3,000 people were saved. He healed people in the name of Jesus. He became so popular that people asked to be dragged out into the street just so his shadow would pass over them. He carried the gospel to Samaria and to the coastal regions of the Mediterranean Sea. He was the first to receive Gentiles into Christ's church after receiving a vision um, and being instructed to call no one unclean that God has made clean. That's a wonderful story. Acts chapter 10. There's your homework. Read that account. It's just marvelous uh, preaching of the gospel. Uh, That same formula uh, has been used uh, to share the good news of Christ. And I, even reading that story to my own grandfather, 88 years old, he came to Christ. It's a powerful, powerful story. Peter defended the Gentile believers from the yoke of the law and the necessity of circumcision to be saved. He was arrested by Herod Agrippa, but was rescued by an angel. He preached the gospel throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia Minor, and Bithynia. He also worked in the Parthian Empire, which is um, where Babylon was at the time. And finally, in Rome, where he co-founded the church with the Apostle Paul. And in the 14th year of the reign of Emperor Nero, between 67 and 68 AD, Peter was martyred by being crucified upside down. Tradition holds that he insisted on being crucified upside down because he did not deserve to be crucified in the same manner as his Lord. That loudmouth that we read about in the Gospels was an incredibly humble man. There's a lot more to Peter than what we saw in the Gospel of Mark. What a difference the Holy Spirit makes. And now we have his word, his words from 30 plus years of life and ministry and walking with the Lord, being filled with his spirit. 30 plus years after Mark's gospel concluded. So I don't want to say another word about it. I want to read God's word and let him speak to us. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to be our preacher and interpreter. So let's read First Peter together. Well, not together. I'll read it. You can read along. 
Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles in the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, let your hope, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passion of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, so also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. 
like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that, you, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure but if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in this body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, 
they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see a respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with an imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, as a, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves in the same, with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, 
that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous are If the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings. And so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. 
Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your servant, Peter. We thank you for your spirit's work in him and through him to us. We pray that this word would reach deep into our hearts and stand firm there. That we too would know the grace of God and stand firm in it. Father, use your word for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.